I want you to turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4 and verse 30, and uh, we'll probably read a few more, but I'm just going to read that, and thank you for standing, and uh, we'll let you be seated, and then we'll work our way through this tonight. It's a very important, important message that we have for you tonight. Paul writes to the church, and this is what he says in chapter 4 and verse 30. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby we are sealed. Everybody say sealed. Sealed unto the day of redemption. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The title of our Focus 52 this week is Grieve Not the Holy Spirit. And uh, the key thought is if you please God, it doesn't matter whom you displease. And if you displease Him, it doesn't matter whom you please. I want you to realize tonight as... The people of God. Paul here is, he's not writing to uh, someone on the street that doesn't know God. He's not writing to a sinner, but he's writing to the church. He spends the first three chapters of Ephesians telling us what the work of the cross established and accomplished and uh, talking to us about what exactly happened there. And then he comes to chapter 4 and he begins to, uh, he begins to lay out some things. And it's interesting that, that he begins the uh, 3 and 4 actually uh, this way. He says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord... Beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Now, I want to speak to the identity of the people that are in this room tonight. I want you to recognize, and you do, I don't want to, you to feel like I'm speaking down to you tonight, but I want you to understand the gravity of your identification tonight. You see, you're not just another Joe. Sorry, Brother Joe. (laughs) Not just another Mary or Sue. Sorry, Mom. But you are a child of the living God. You have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed upon a tree at Calvary. And greater than that, you have been sealed. Your redemption has been sealed by the Spirit of the living God. Wow. I I think sometimes that we take so lightly because uh, uh, particularly if we've been around the church for 
any length of time, we just kind of take it for lightly what exactly it is that, that uh, the Lord said when He said, I'm going to seal your redemption with my Spirit. You see, that seal is an identification. In the old book, in the old covenant, when the king would put his seal on a document, that meant that nobody could touch that document except who it was intended to go to, and that seal could not be removed without the king's permission. You, you've been marked. How many of you have the Holy Ghost in here right now? Some of you ashamed of it? How many of you have the Holy Ghost? I want you to know that you've been marked. There's no turning back for you. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. We must understand tonight that the Spirit of God is a living being. It's not some, uh, some kind of uh, something that we could put on a shelf and take it off when we want it. But the Spirit of God lives within you. And so that's why Paul speaks of grieving the Spirit. I, I want us to get this because it's so important to your relationship with God and where you are tonight as a child of God because you don't want to be in a position where you grieve the Spirit of God. Listen to the Word of God. The Bible said in the days of Noah, God said, My Spirit shall not always strive with men. In, in verse 6 then it says, God repented that He had made man upon the earth and it grieved Him in His heart. Let me, let me help you with grief just a minute. How many mamas do I have in here? How many mothers do I have in here? Watch this. Imagine with me. Your mother that carried you, bore you in her womb, brought you into the world, loved you, nourished you, and cared for you, and then one day, you wake up and you decide, I don't want her to be my mother anymore. I want to be with somebody else. I want somebody, I want to live with somebody else. Watch me, just, just stay with me, I'll, I'll get it explained. Can you imagine the grief of a mother 
that looks at a child that no one else in the world loves her like loves that child like she loves that child and that child to say to her I choose someone else and something else I don't want you anymore that's what happens to the spirit of God when we make up our mind when we choose our own way our own attitude, our own spirit. We say to God, I want to do things the way I want to do things, not the way your spirit that sealed my redemption wants me to do them. I want to do them my own way. And essentially what you're saying is, I don't want you to be my daddy anymore. It's what happened in the Old Bible, the Old Testament. Noah said God's heart was grieved. In the days of Noah, wickedness on the earth was great. Every thought and imagination of man's heart was evil continually it grieved the heart of God he created man in his image he created man to worship him he created man to love him he created man to bless him he created man to make a way for him and it grieved the heart of of a pure and holy God that His people would choose to be unholy. And so, as we look into the Word of God, we understand the Bible said that God knows the very thoughts and intents of your heart. He knows the imagination of your heart. And I wonder tonight as we survey and search our hearts, I wonder tonight if what's in my heart and what's in your heart grieves God or pleases God. The earth, we read, was corrupt. The earth was filled with violence kind of sounds familiar doesn't it the psalmist asked this of the people of God how oft did they provoke him in the desert and grieve him in the wilderness now I'm talking about a people that got water out of a rock I'm talking about a people that got manna rained down from heaven I'm talking about a people that got quail rained down from heaven. I'm talking about people that walked through a Red Sea on dry ground. The hand of God was with them. They had been identified as His children. And He brought them out to bring them through. And now the Bible says that He's grieved in His heart because of the way that they have responded to His goodness. 
They kept lusting after their own flesh. They didn't believe the promises of God. Psalms 95 and 10 said, Forty years long was I grieved with this generation and said it is a people that do err in their heart and they have not known my ways. Mark tells us that Jesus was grieved at the hardness of the hearts of the people. I've been, I've been preaching now for... 38 years, I think. And I've been to hundreds of churches. I've been all over the world. I've preached conferences and camp meetings. and I've done all of those things. But I'm going to tell you that I'm very, very disturbed. Because I look into the faces of people that are supposed to be Sealed by the Spirit of God. But I look into their faces and I see anger. I see bitterness. I see unhappiness. A lack of joy. Things that should not exist in someone that's been sealed by the Spirit of God. I I, I see people that should be the happiest people in the world. Should be the happiest people in the world. There's nobody in the world that has what you have when you've been baptized in the name of Jesus and filled with the Holy Ghost. There's nobody in the world that has what you have. But we find ourselves in a real dilemma tonight. We've got to make up our mind who it is that we want to please. Stephen accused the religious council in Jerusalem of always resisting the Holy Spirit. And so Paul brings us to the book of Ephesians And in the context of what Paul speaks of people being past feeling. It's what I was talking about a while ago in churches and camp meetings and conferences. I look into the hearts or the faces of people and I see people that it seems as though they're past feeling. God is moving all around them. People are shouting and dancing and worshiping God. And I see people that are unmoved by the Holy Ghost. And I want to tell you on this Wednesday night, you are grieving God. Paul said there, Past feeling, giving themselves over to lasciviousness, to work all uncleanness with God. He speaks of lying and stealing and corrupt 
communication. Remember, he's not talking to the world. He's talking to the church. I got in a little confrontation today with a preacher of all things. And, you know, it troubles me. It troubles me that people just feel like they can say whatever they want to say, however they want to say it, to whoever they want to say it to. I know that don't bother you. But I, I, I just find myself seeing the ploy of the enemy. You've heard me say this for years. If you've been around, you, you've heard me say this many times. But the church, if it's destroyed, and it won't be, but if it ever were, it would not be destroyed from the outside. The church would be destroyed from the inside out. Because people have found themselves grieving the Spirit of God. Because you can talk about your brother. You can talk about your sister. You can be critical of the leadership of the church. You can be critical of others. Even lie on others. Even to try to somehow elevate your position. You'll twist things. Please hear me. I... I know this kind of feels like downer right now, but I want you to recognize who you are and what you are and what the enemy is trying to get you to do to grieve the Holy Spirit. And you don't want to be out of the will of God and have grieved the Spirit of the Lord. It's what seals your redemption. It's what's going to get you to heaven. And if you grieve it, then that means you're disconnected from it. Somebody say, help him, Lord. Grieve not. The Holy Spirit of God. Then Paul speaks of bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, malice. Listen, that cannot be in the heart of a child of God that's been sealed with the Spirit of God. If this last year has taught me anything, well, it's taught me lots of things. But if it's taught me anything, it's this. I need my brother and sister more than I've ever needed my brother and sister before. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. 
We're not always going to do everything right. But we cannot afford to get out of alignment with the Spirit of God just because somebody's not like us, doesn't speak as we do. Come on, somebody. I want you to realize we need each other. We need to encourage one another. We need to love one another. We need to lift one another up. We need to be in there helping one another. Watch. Here's the result of grieving the Spirit of God. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 3. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart, and they've not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath that they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from The living God. Watch what happens when you grieve the Spirit of God. Please hear me right now. They did not attain all that God had prepared and desired for them. If you grieve the Spirit of God, you're going to miss what God has planned for you. Please hear my plea. It is vitally important in this last day that there be more of us that are aligned with the Spirit and sealed by that Spirit and walking in that Spirit. It's more important now than ever that it be the majority of us in the church and not just a few because we need the blessings of God. We need the plan of God. We need the purpose of God to be played out in all of our lives. Paul, chapter 1 of Ephesians He spoke of being sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. I I love this, which, which was the earnest of our inheritance. Watch what it says now. Until, he said, I'm going to seal you with the Spirit. That's going to be the earnest. That's just a down payment on what I have in store for you. Watch, watch what happens now. The earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. He said, I'm going to seal you with my spirit. But that's not the end of the story. Because when it's all said and done, I will redeem what I purchased. In other words, I bought you... I'm going to let you live out your life 
But if you live it out sealed by my spirit, I'm coming back to redeem you. I'm coming back to... It's the reason why we can't afford to grieve the Holy Spirit. Because that in and of itself is tantamount to whether or not we're going to be saved or lost. Oh, it's no big deal, Bishop. I, I can say something every now and then. It won't hurt anything or anybody. No, you don't understand. You might not hurt me. You might not hurt that person that you're talking about. But when you do that, you are grieving the Spirit of God. And when you grieve the Spirit of God, you are disconnecting. From the opportunity to be redeemed. Brother Lang, you want to come finish this? Watch what he says. Let all, everybody say all. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor. And evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. You know what he was saying to them? I need you to put away your old life. That's what your old man used to do. That's what your sinful man used to do. I don't need that in my child that's sealed with my spirit. Bitterness. What is bitterness? Bitterness is, listen closely, long-standing resentment. Letting something just continue to simmer inside until it begins to eat away at us. I want to ask you a little question here. If someone has offended you and you stay bitter at them until it causes you to implode, who got hurt? Besides the most extreme of grieving the Holy Spirit you are literally destroying your health. You're destroying your mentality. Come on now. Just help me a minute. Just bitterness. Bitterness. It is simply, look, you've heard us say this many times. There's nothing nor anyone that's worth going to hell over. You need to release that bitterness. You need to give it to the Holy Ghost and let the Holy Ghost come in and change that into joy unspeakable and full of glory. Wrath. Wrath. What is that? 
like the flame that comes from dried weeds when a match has been lit to it. Somebody says something or does something, and it's just like lighting a fire in you. Wrath. Anger. Anger which has become habitual. Something that you just won't let go of. It just, the least little thing happens and you just go off the handle. Somebody, somebody stands against you because you're wrong. But it makes you angry instead of responsive to the Holy Ghost to repent. Clamor. To scream or to cry out. Paul said, put that away. Evil speaking. The word is blasphemia. Swearing or cursing. Watch watch what happens now. In contrast to that, when the Spirit of God is leading us and guiding us and directing us, And it is in full control of us. Watch what happens. There's a whole transformation. You see, one of the things that I got out of reading that fourth chapter was that basically what Paul was trying to say to us is this is what happens when you have been converted. What does that mean? That means I've been changed from what I was to what He wants me to be. So here's the contrast. If you're being led by the Spirit, if the Spirit is in control, if the Spirit is still the seal on your life, kindness, everybody say kindness. Kindness is a characteristic that I, in my mind, always associate with Jesus. I see Him as the kindest, most gentle person who ever graced the earth. I see the kindness in which He dealt with sinners. The woman at the well. The disciples didn't even want him to go by there. But Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria. Why? Because he understood. He seen. He was God manifested in the flesh. And though the disciples rejected the idea, he was willing to go out of his way for one lost soul. And because of the kindness that he showed to that one lost soul, it caused a great revival in a nation. What are you you trying to say, Bishop? I'm trying to get you to realize that if the Holy Ghost is in control of your life, you'll go out of your way not to hurt, not to harm, but to love and to help. Then there was the woman taken in adultery. 
the law said she was supposed to die. But Jesus just kneels down and writes something in the sand and clears the area of her accusers. Because you see, nobody in this room is without sin. Nobody in this room is perfect. We all have these little skeletons in our closet. And so whatever he wrote, and there's a lot of things that we could include there, but whatever he wrote, he looked up, the crowd was gone. And he asked her, woman, where art thou accusers? They were gone. Now watch this. This is the part that, that people misconstrue and they, they, they use it to their advantage when they're, when they're wanting to justify their sin. Jesus looks at her. He said, neither do I condemn thee. Now watch the rest. Go thy way and... Preach it with me. He didn't say, all right, I'm going to forgive you right here. And you just go back to the way you were living before. Uh-uh. You want to grieve the Holy Ghost? You want to grieve the Holy Spirit? It's like taking you out of your mama's arms and handing you to somebody else. You just go back to doing things the way you used to do them before he saved you. And sealed you by His Spirit. Kindness. Say it with me. Kindness. And then there was the man suffering from palsy. Jesus just simply healed him. When others wouldn't afford him the privilege of going into the temple to worship Jesus said wait just a minute I'll fix that because I've made everybody to worship me and he heals the man with palsy and then the prostitute oh my the prostitute that anointed his feet with oil in the house of Simon the Pharisee. What do you think you're doing? Wasting that expensive oil. We could have sold it. Used it for something more useful. Jesus said, wait just a minute. You, you leave her alone. Because she's got priorities in the right place. She's came by not to be noticed, not to be recognized, not to be patted on the back and saying you're doing a good job. She came by for one purpose. She's not perfect. There was sin in her life. You could identify her. You knew who she was when she walked in the room. 
But when she walked in the room, she had one thing on her mind, and that was to worship me. Come on, I need somebody to help me right now. I want you to realize it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you come from, what kind of life you lived. It makes no difference to Jesus if you'll walk in the room and the only thing that's on your heart is to worship Him and to give Him glory and to give Him praise. That pleases the Holy Spirit. Kindness. It's the opposite of grief. We find that we must be kind to the crowds. I said we must be kind to the crowds. I don't ever read anywhere in the Word of God where Jesus got in a big crowd and he got irritated because that crowd pressed up against him. Somebody got in his space. I don't ever read anywhere where he got irritated about that. You want to know why? Because his heart was that anybody that was in that crowd that was there, they were there because they needed him. Please hear me, First Pentecostal Church. Anybody that walks through those doors and sits on a seat in this sanctuary... They're not here just because they happened by and were looking for a place to stop by. They are here because they need you. And they need the God that you serve. And they need the spirit of the God that lives inside of you to be manifest and be kind to them and love them and pray for them and reach for them. We shouldn't get irritated by the crowd my my prayer is and I pray it every time I walk this sanctuary I pray it God give us a soul for every seat and fill it to overflow with souls I pray it every time I'm here and I'm telling you That God needs to condition us. We don't need to grieve the spirit when the crowd starts showing up and they're drunks and drug addicts and they don't smell like us and they don't look like us. They don't dress like us. They don't talk like us. But when they show up, we don't need to grieve the Holy Spirit by being irritated with the crowd. We need to recognize it is by the Spirit That they're here because the Bible said, No man can come unto me except he be drawn by the Father. Kindness. Kindness. Everybody all right? Sometimes when we've been deeply hurt by someone we determine I will never let them hurt me 
again. And we harden our hearts against them or against situations. Please hear me. He said we need to be kind to one another and we need to be tender-hearted. Watch. It's, it's so easy to harden our hearts when we've been wronged and taken advantage of. But watch me here. Just, just stay with me. How many believe that the name of the Father is Jesus? The name of the Son is Jesus. The name of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. Come on, watch me right here. Do you think that if anybody had an opportunity to get hard-hearted, Jesus had an opportunity to get hard-hearted? But watch what happened. He stayed tender-hearted, clear to the cross, clear till he took his last dying breath. He had been lied on, cheated, ridiculed, beaten, stripped, Come on, somebody, spit on, nailed to a cross. But in his dying moment, he looked across the crowd. Some of them that had been so adamant about release Barabbas and crucify Jesus were in the crowd. But he looked across that crowd, and this is what his tender heart said. Father! Forgive them, for they know not what they do. I don't know what's happened to you. I know that some of you have been hurt. I know that some of you have been wronged. But I know that none of you have ever gone through anything like he went through. And you want to know what it was? You want to know what it was that made him be able to say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The Bible said he slumped and died and gave up the... What was the ghost? The writer said that same spirit that caused Christ to raise from the dead the Holy Ghost it came back in an empty shell of a body it's the spirit that left it came back it was that spirit that spirit that we're not supposed to grieve that brought life where death was tender hearted a tender heart is in contrast to the bitterness which Paul spoke of that grieved the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you. Have you ever seen have you ever seen the heart, the tragedy of an older person who's become bitter and hard-hearted? It's a terrible thing to watch. They cannot be touched. They cannot be reached. 
because they have allowed bitterness to harden their heart. It grieves the Holy Spirit. And then he said, oh, this one's so hard for some of us. Forgiving one another. Forgiving one another. Well, how often do I have to do that, Bishop? How often, how often do I need to do that? Seven times? Well, the Bible said it wasn't that. It said it was 70 times seven. That's a day. You see, again, who do you think suffers the most? The guilty party or the one who refuses to forgive the guilty party? Again, the larger picture is that unforgiveness grieves the Holy Spirit. But besides that, unforgiveness makes for a miserable life. Oh, listen. Listen, I, I, I'm, I'm really getting stubborn in my old age. I used to let folks get in my head and stay there without even paying rent. But who's got time for that? I don't have time for that. My life is on the other end of, on the down slope. I don't have time to let folks live in my head that are going to distract me from the blessings of God, the joy of living for God, the peace of the Holy Ghost. I don't have time for that. You can't get in my head. I'm going to forgive you. You may wrong me, but I'm going to forgive you because it's not worth it to hold on to it. Let me hurry. Truth of the matter is, both suffer. It's important to know that I've been forgiven. Everybody say, I've been forgiven. There's a lot of, I'll call them for the lack of a better word, neurotic behaviors that develop from a guilty conscience. The reason why some folks act the way they do is because they have a guilty conscience. But I want to tell you that it is equally important to forgive for a bitter heart can be dangerous to you physically. Scientifically, they say it creates chemicals in your body that begin to eat away at your stomach lining. See, it's more than just a spiritual thing. What, what is the measure or extent of our forgiveness? Here it is. This is the word. 
even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Now look, your life is not my life, and my life is not yours. And I'm going to tell you that he's been better to me than he's been to any of you. Because I got the microphone. Watch me here. I, I want you to realize something. You have been forgiven. It doesn't matter what kind of a scoundrel you were before you got here. What kind of a lifestyle you lived before you got here. You're in this place tonight. Washed by the blood of the Lamb. Sealed by the Spirit of the living God. And He's coming back to redeem you one day. You ought to thank Him right now. All right, I'm, 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 I'm almost done. Remember the story of the master who had a servant that owed him $16 million? Anybody remember that story? You might not have known about the $16 million, but that's what it, it adds up to in today's money. $16 million. You're that servant. You're that servant. You've been forgiven a mammoth debt. So what's that mean? Here's what it means. God has forgiven you completely. You are to forgive completely. God will never bring it up again. You should never bring it up again. Oh my. God has forgiven you graciously. You should forgive graciously. Let me close with this little bit right here. You want to know why? The Spirit of God is grieved. It can be traced to its holy character. And its perfect attributes. It's the nature of holy being vexed by unholiness. It's mainly for our sakes that he is grieved. For the church's sake. Then let me share something with you. Let me call it deplorable causes that produce the grief of the Holy Spirit. We learn according to Paul and the Word of God that sins 
of the flesh, filthiness, and evil speaking of every sort are grievous to him. I want to reiterate to you this line right here. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Listen to this. In Noah's day, the dove found no place for the sole of its foot on all the carcasses floating in the waste He found no place that he could land because of all of the rejection of God that was floating around in the waters that flooded the earth. And so he finds no, watch, do you know what what the dove is symbolic of? The Holy Ghost. So the dove finds no repose. No place to land because of the sin and corruption that existed in the world at that time. And I need to tell you that the dove won't land where sin insists on dwelling. Well, I don't understand why I'm not getting the Holy Ghost. I just told you, the dove won't land where sin wants to cohabit. Just won't live there. It's unholy. And the holy nature of the Spirit of God will not dwell in the unholy. That's why you get cold and indifferent. That's why you don't feel God like you used to feel God because you've let some things slip into your life that have grieved the Spirit and it's not working in you like it should be working in you. The 31st verse said the Holy Ghost is grieved by any approach to bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, malice. I told you what all of those were. I have no doubt it greatly grieves the Spirit to see in believers, not the world, not those outside, believers, any degree of love, of the world. Let me say it again. It grieves the spirit to see in believers any degree of love of the world. Why, Bishop? His holy jealousy is excited by such unholy love. He will not He will not divide his love. He will not share his love. It's all or nothing with him. Now, the Spirit of God gives us 
celestial joys, unlimited comforts. And if he sees us turn our back on all of these to go to worldly company, to feed greedily upon the same empty joys that satisfy the world, he is a jealous God and it slights him and puts him out. The Spirit of God is greatly grieved by unbelief. What would grieve you more? What would grieve you more than to have your child think that you were a liar? Well, (laughs) what are you saying, Bishop? I want you to understand that unbelief is simply saying to God, you're a liar. It's in your word, but I don't believe it. You know what you're saying? You're a liar, God. Man, that's a terrible way to end a Wednesday night Bible study. Maybe I've got one more thing. The Spirit is doubtless grieved by our ingratitude. (laughs) Man, I can't believe it's Wednesday night again. Oh, we got to go to church. And the pastor's not there and the bishop's going to be preaching. No, it's, it's, it's Wednesday night. We got to go to church. Have you forgotten where he brought you from? Have you forgotten what he's done for you? Have you forgotten where you were when he found you? Have you forgotten how much He's loved you? Have you forgotten how much He's forgiven you? Have you forgotten? What's a Wednesday night for that? What's a Sunday morning for that? What's a Sunday night for that? God help me. What's a prayer meeting and a fasting day for that? God help us not to grieve you because we're un. Thankful. If you're thankful right now, you ought to lift your hands to the Lord and tell Him so. Stand with me tonight. Stand with your hands lifted and praise Him. That's it. Be thankful. God, don't let me grieve your spirit. Don't let me grieve your spirit because I've become unthankful. I've become bitter. 
I become angry. Oh, God, I become unforgiving. Don't let me grieve you. A seal. A seal. A seal is set upon a thing to attest its authenticity and authority. A seal is used for preserving as well as attesting. A seal is set for security. Grieve not that spirit upon whom you are so dependent. He is your, it is your credentials. It's your passport to heaven. And if the seal is broken, you've lost your authenticity and your identity. Come on, I want you to lift your hands and ask the Lord to put out of your heart anything, anything that would grieve Him. Come on, I want you to ask Him right now. Everywhere in this building, just let there be a spirit of repentance that sweeps across this church right now. God, don't let there be anything in me, God, that would grieve your Holy Spirit. God, let me please you in everything that I say and do. Put out, God, all the works of the flesh and let your spirit have full reign in me, God.